today in class, I'm sitting, taking my, uh, my final. He's been getting sicker and sicker. He's had an inner ear infection and something else and a virus and all this stuff. So I'm like, I don't know why you're still at school. But like, as we're, as we're taking the final, like every few like minutes, all you hear is <coughs> in the front of the room. I'm like, Oh, this can't be good. There's stuff coming out of his mouth and nose, and you know it's airborne, and I'm breathing it. I'm a germaphobe, and it freaked me out, so I'm probably catching something. I already start to feel sick. All right, so tonight we continue, and we're just going right on into it. Tonight, we're continuing kind of the thing of what's more important. And what we're talking about tonight is something that is absolutely vital to your relationship with God. Something that uh, if you don't get in the habit of doing, you're going to be severely behind where you should be with God. Something that if you don't make a point of in your life, your relationship with God is going to suffer and isn't going to continue to grow. It's probably going to get worse and worse. And tonight we're talking about worship. It's something that I have loved very much because I've got to be part of a worship team and I've got to spend a lot of time worshiping. Uh, I've been saved, saved in a relationship with Jesus Christ for uh, five years now, a little over five years, where I really cared about it. Um, And I've spent a lot of time worshiping on and off. So it's something that I think that... uh, I love, but it's something I think all of us can get to know a little better and maybe put a little bit more passion into. The word worship actually comes from an old English word that was worth-ship. All there basically is was a T-H um, before the S-H-I-P, worth-ship, instead of worship, and then it kind of melded into our word that we know. What worth-ship meant was just showing what something is worth. A verbal or physical demonstration of what is something worth, somehow letting people realize what it is and giving it the worth that it deserves. And that's where we get the word that it comes to. So the case that we're speaking of tonight is obviously our worship towards God because that's what we're here to learn about. That's obviously the focus of what we're trying to get. So how are we supposed to show worship to God? What does this worship to God mean? What does it do for me? What is it supposed to mean to me, right? Many of us, and I don't know, I can't speak for you, um, probably think of worship as singing a few songs in church. It's probably like when, when you hear worship maybe comes to your mind is like listening to people play music and a whole bunch of people standing up and, and singing or, you know, some other type of form of that. And that's really what you've, you've known as worship. But really that isn't it at all. I mean, that's part of it, but it's not it. Because you're looking at a little cross-section instead of all of what it can be. Um, Worship is all about your heart. It's all about what you're putting into it, and it's all about what you're you're doing um, really behind kind of your outside. Like you said, like the whole situation of people playing and people singing with it, that's cool. But the worship isn't that. The worship is what's inside of the people who are out in the crowd. The worship is what's inside of the people up on stage. That's really really where it comes into. It's this wanting to show God how much he is worth and describing to him, maybe with a physical demonstration. Obviously, um, I'm biased maybe, 
but I think that God is worth a lot. Uh, like I said, I've had a relationship with him for a while. I don't know where you guys all are at with God, but when I think about my own life, and probably even when you think about your own, you'll realize that God is really worth a lot. Um, he gave you crazily just abundant things such as life. He gave you family. He gave you forgiveness, a new start. He promised you that you can have eternity in heaven. Even just to the point that God gave you today. He let you wake up today. He let you get up and actually go through your day. The fact that he gave you good legs to stand on and, you know, he gave you strong bones or, you know, muscles to be able to do what you want. I mean, sometimes when I feel like complaining, God definitely checks my spirit and says, you know, you could be a lot worse off, and it's true. God really is worth a lot. He's done so much for me. Um, but like I said, worship isn't just about this. People making music, um, and that's what worship is. It's just the music. It, it's not, music is a beautiful medium that, that worship can take place in. Um, music is really cool. I love, love worship music. I've played it for a long time. Um, I love music in general. I listen to a lot of it. It's basically like a channel that worship can flow through, and that's really the direction that it should be um, taken. Uh, the cool thing is that God loves music. God loves it. We know this. Um, and that people basically throughout history, we can look in the Bible, and we can just even look in our history books, that people have been using music as a way to show worship to God, I mean, forever. All the way back, people used worship as a way to communicate to God um, just how much he was worth. So there's so much to worship, um, but in all reality, it's so very simple. It's not nearly as complicated as it might seem. People might feel fearful um, to what worship all entails, but it's, it's so ridiculously simple. Um, like I said, it, it's telling God how much he's worth and giving a demonstration to it. But like I said before, it's not about the music and about you singing. It's about your heart. So the biggest thing about worship that maybe everyone doesn't think about is that you have to mean it. And that's really the cornerstone of it, is you can have good music and you can be singing at the top of your lungs but if you don't mean it, it isn't worth it. It wasn't worship. So that's really the cornerstone. You have to mean it. Um, don't think that you can worship half-hearted, that you can pick up a store-bought and processed form of worship and feel that that's going to work. It's not. That isn't what God's calling to. God really knows our heart, and he wants to see our heart poured out in these times of worship. And like I said, it can be something like a time where there's a worship band and you are singing. But it's not about the words, it's about what's inside of you and what you're pouring out to God. Like I said, a physical expression of your innermost feelings and passions. We're to bring God this beautiful worship because he's worth it. Like I said, he's done so much for us, honestly. We, we could worship forever and we still wouldn't be caught up. And really, when I start thinking about worship in correspondence with the Bible, of course what comes to my mind right away is the book of Psalms. I don't know if you guys have read it. It's the biggest book in the Bible, and it's a compilation of all these different psalms written by um, King David and some other psalm, you know, uh, psalm writers. Basically, it's like short little poetry and songs. Some of them are acrostics, and they're kind of written expressions of a worship to God. 
Um, some of them were sung, you can even find in some of them where um, they have the word Selah next to it. And what that means is a time where the, wor- the words would stop and music would continue to play so that people could worship God and basically um, kind of just speak from their heart to God. You see these in, in the Psalms when you read them. It says Selah, and it's a break where music would continue and the people wouldn't sing, and then it would come back into the psalm. So when, you, when I read them, I'm like, this, this really kind of fits what I think um, worship is. And I want to read to you. Um, I'm reading through psalms right now, and I'm actually reading the message all the way through psalms, and it's really cool because um, it's really awesome to study the Bible word for word, but psalms is really one of those books where I don't think you're supposed to study each and every piece of the psalm, but what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to read the psalm, and then you're really supposed to look at it as one beautiful picture. You know what I mean? It's like a song. You can't just study, like, one lyric of a song. You have to put it into context of what the whole song says, and it, it flows all together to be one beautiful meaning, a story, um, you know, the feeling. One part of a song might be good, but the thing that makes it so cool is how it fits amongst all of the rest of the song. And as I was reading through these in the message, it really stands out to me because it's in plain English, and it fits when I read it like it strikes home with me. It's actually Psalm 19, and you guys can turn to it, but I want you to listen to it when I read it because I'm going to read it for you out of the message, and I want you to hear what it says. This is worship. It's showing God how much he's worth, telling God how awesome he is. It says, God's glory is on tour in the skies. God craft on exhibit across the horizon. Madam Day holds classes every morning. Professor Knight lectures every evening. Their words aren't heard. Their voices aren't recorded. But their silence fills the earth. Unspoken truth is spoken everywhere. God makes a huge dome for the sun, a super dome. The morning sun's a new husband leaping from his honeymoon bed. The daybreaking sun, an athlete racing to the tape. That's how God's word vaults across the sky from sunrise to sunset, melting ice, scorching deserts, warming hearts to faith. The revelation of God is whole and pulls, in, pulls our lives together. The signpost of, God's are, of God is clear and points out the right road. The life map of God are right, showing the way to joy. The directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. God's reputation is 24 karat gold with a lifetime guarantee. The decisions of God are accurate down to the nth degree. God's word is better than a diamond, better than a diamond set between emeralds. You, you'll like it even better than strawberries in spring, better than red, ripe strawberries. There's more. God's word warns us of danger and directs us to hidden treasure. Otherwise, how will we find our way or know when we play the fool? Clean the slate, God, so we can start the day fresh. Keep me from stupid sins, from thinking I can take over your work. Then I can start this day sun-washed, scrub clean of the grime of sin. These are the words in my mouth. These are what I chew and pray on. Accept them when I place them on the morning altar. O God, my altar rock. God, priest of my altar. When I read that, it's like a beautiful song, isn't it? That this guy sat down and he wrote. It's a beautiful expression of where he's at in his life. And he pens it down and it talks about this grandeur of who God is. This beauty of how every single thing in this world just proclaims how beautiful he is. That he's, I love the fact that it says that, you know, Madam Darkness preaches, you know, teaches in the morning, and, you know, it goes through and it talks about how everything just speaks how awesome he is. And then it talks about his own personal relationship with God. That's worship. 
Do you feel the passion when you see that? Do you feel the passion that was deep down inside of his heart? That's what worship is supposed to be. That's the same thing we're supposed to bring to God. In the times where we sing, in the times where we pray with him, that's what we're supposed to come at him with, is that deep feeling of what it actually means. Not just doing it, but doing it out of our hearts. Like I said, um, a physical expression of your innermost feelings and passion. So give God that passion. Here's the deal. How can we worship? Because if you decide you're right, God is worth something, but how am I going to show him how much he is worth? And there's tons of different ways the Bible lists, but I'm going to list a few for you right here. The first and the most common throughout Scripture you're going to see is singing. God gave us this crazy, amazing device called a mouth, a tongue, a throat, all of this stuff, and somehow we figured out a way that we can make oratory words sound beautiful when we put them to a certain pace and when we sing them in a certain way. God is absolutely surrounded by music, and he loves it. And I know this is true. If you read the word of God, you will see the fact that God adores music. Seriously, um, if you look at him when he's in heaven, there's angels that surround him and sing to him 24-7, 365 that tell of how holy he is. Over and over again, he hears this song come before him. talks about at the end times that the end of the world will be ushered in by angels with trumpets. It talks about heavenly kings that lay down their crowns in front of God and sing a song to him, talking about how he is so holy. God is absolutely surrounded by music, and he loves it because he wouldn't surround himself with it if he didn't. So we can sing. Um, Psalm 95.1 says this, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Pretty simple. It talks about it even in Psalms. Like I said, those are really good because that's yeah, worship when it was written down. It says, Come and just sing to God. It's a way that we can show Him. We can, by singing words that are on a screen that someone else penned that are beautiful, or by saying our own words to God, we can show Him how much He's worth. Another one they list is bowing down. And some people aren't comfortable with this, but this is what you need to do because bowing down is a symbolic gesture of showing the fact that you're lower than somebody. When you take and you put yourself on your knees, you're lower than the person who's standing in front of you, and you're less intimidating. You're lowering yourself to a very weakened position. In fighting, as soon as you have someone down on their knees, you have the upper hand. It's the exact same thing in worship. When you bow down and you, you put yourself on your knees You're saying to God, I am less than you, and you are more powerful than me, and I'm okay with that. That's why it's important to do it. It's not just a gesture, but it's something that's actually important. Psalm 95.6 says, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. One that a lot of people struggle with, and people don't understand, lifting your hands. It's totally scriptural. People think, I don't know why people are lifting their hands all the time during worship. Why do people feel like they need to raise their hands to worship God? Well, it's completely scriptural. Um, I've heard a bunch of people kind of give backing to why they feel that raising hands is scriptural. Uh, the Bible in Psalm uh, 63.4 says, In your name I will lift my hands, speaking to the Lord. And also in Timothy, he says, I wish that all brothers would basically lay down arms and lift their hands to God in praise. I've heard a bunch of different ways. I've heard one said that when you lift your hands to God, it's like surrender. You ever notice when 
a cop runs up or anyone like that, they take and point a gun at someone, and what do they always tell you to do? Is put your hands over your head. Because what that does is it puts you, once again, in a place where you just say, basically, I give up. You know what I mean? There's lots of times I come into worship and I feel like raising my hands and saying, God, I give up. I can take my hands off whatever I was fighting with because I want you to take care of it. I've heard another one, too, that I absolutely loved, and it was saying that when you raise your hands, it's just like a little kid. I don't know if you guys have ever seen little kids. They take and they run up to their dads, and what do they always do is they always go like this, and they raise their hands. And what it's saying is, Dad, I want you to pick me up. The same thing with worship, that it can be in that exact same light, that when you raise your hands, you're just saying, Father, I just want you to pick me up and put you, just put me in your arms. I need to be close to you. And you raise your hands just kind of as that gesture, just saying, you know, God, just pick me up. I need you. Like I said, it's completely scriptural. Not something weird that a church made up. It came right from the Bible. People have been doing it for centuries to show God respect. Here's one that'll scare you, probably a lot of you. Dancing. Dancing. Yes, dancing shows, uh, shows God worship. In Psalm 149.3 it says, Let them praise his name with dancing. It's pretty clear it's in the Bible, isn't it? Churches say we don't believe in dancing. Say it says it right in the Bible. We're supposed to praise God by dancing. It says it right there in the Bible. Here at this church, we're Pentecostal. I don't know what your guys' background is. Pentecostal means I can dance and worship and I don't have to feel bad about it. My church isn't going to yell at me. I completely believe in dancing. Um, obviously, some dancing can get out of hand. You know, the bump and grind isn't a uh, worship-appropriate dance. But dancing unto God, not dancing unto yourself, <clears throat> is what this is supposed to be. And I think there's a bunch of reasons why this could come. But the one that really sticks out to me is when you dance you're free in spirit. And God over and over again talks about the fact that he comes here not to put oppression on us and not to put rules, but he came here to make us free. He said that by my death, you are now free from all that sin that held you down. All the things that were going to keep you down in this world, they're all gone and you are free in me. So I think about is when I dance, it's one of those free in spirit things, isn't it? Just to dance and just let your body do whatever it feels like doing. Just kind of go crazy. Just basically saying, God, I'm just free in your spirit because I know that you love me so much. I'm secure. I don't have to be scared. Impossibly, my favorite way to show God worship, we can rock. Completely. We can rock. We can throw down some sweet riffs. We can slam on the drums. And it's completely worship to God. Anyone who says different doesn't know the Bible. I'll be that frank with you. We can rock. Psalm 150, the last psalm in the book of Psalms. So that's easy to remember. If someone ever takes and criticizes you, depending on what you believe, you can say, you know what, look at the last psalm. And this is what it says. You tell me if God likes rock or not. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with tambourine and with dancing. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It says that we're supposed to make crazy amounts of noise. Stringed instruments, all of our electric guitars and such, 
They talk about flutes and they talk about trumpets, all the, all the wind instruments for all you ska people throw down in worship. It talks about all the symbols and it talks about the tambourine. That means rhythm. The people who preach against rhythm in, in church music, bull, tambourine, rhythm, symbols, rhythm. Loud clashing noises to praise God and show how awesome he is. You can praise God through rock. You can praise God by just making music in a crazy way to show how awesome he is. If it's directed at him and that's your heart, that's worship. It's biblical. So we need to worship God. And there's so many different ways like I just showed, but it's, it's so simple. And the really cool thing is that God has so many promises with this too. It's not like we have to be forced to come in here and because we know we're supposed to, we have to just walk up and we have to give God praise and we have to give God worship and tell him, you're really worth all this and stuff like that. Believe it or not, even though he didn't have to, God says that he gives so many awesome gifts when we actually worship him. He says, you take time and you worship me. And I'll give you a list. I'm not going to give you all the scripture verses because there's so many even more than this. This is just a small list of what the Bible says God will do for you. All of these backed by scripture. It says that when you worship, he will be right here with us. He'll show you his glory. He'll pour out blessings on you. He'll impart joy into your life. He'll answer the prayers that you have. He'll give you the Holy Spirit. He'll guide you in directions that you're having problems understanding. He'll comfort, he'll encourage, and he'll strengthen your spirit. It also says that he'll convict sin and that he'll save people's souls when they worship him. People spend a whole lot of time trying to preach messages and try to get people to understand Jesus Christ and try to put them in, his head, in their head. And God says that if you worship me and you really experience me, he says, I can convict you of your sins and I can save your soul without anyone even telling you about me. You just experience me, I can show you what I am, and I can save your soul. God can do every single one of these things through a heart that is engaged in worship, where you're really focused on God. So you need to bust out of all these insecurities. Because even as I talk about worship, some of you are still picturing the same stuff you've been doing for the past month, the past year, the past 10 years, the same thing you've done over and over and over again, and you feel like that must be worship. You need to push past all of the things that you might be scared of, all those little insecurities that keep on holding you back from going that next step farther. You need to lose the focus on yourself because that's what it is. It's selfishness. Each time you don't do what God wants you to do, it's usually because of your selfishness because you're too afraid. And you need to focus on God, even if it's going to be embarrassing. I have a great story for you. It's from 2 Samuel. Some of you guys might have read it before in the past. It's of a crazy king called David. And um, there's this whole entire situation with that. Um, David becomes king, and uh, his... The king before, Saul, who was there, he's now, you know, out of power. David is now the king. And at this time, the ark got misplaced. It got stolen and taken. Through a bunch of different circumstances, it got given back to the people. And then David was actually going to bring it back. Well, there was a whole situation where he did it wrong. God punished him. But then David did it right by what God asked him to do when he moved the ark of the covenant back. For those of you guys who might not know, the ark of the covenant was um, basically a golden uh, container. It held Aaron's staff, 
which was, did miracles with. It held the remains of the Ten Commandments that Moses etched out himself. And it held some manna that was given to uh, the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. I think I told you about, guys about manna a few weeks ago where it was like basically a bread that formed on the ground in the morning for them to eat. Contain those things. And what it really did is it contained the Spirit of God. People couldn't touch the ark. So he decides to bring it back. And when they do, it's this beautiful picture because it's like basically David the king is bringing back God's spirit to the people. People didn't really have that close of a relationship with God back then. I think a lot of them probably figured that God was really with the ark. And when it came back, though, they were really excited because it was like God was coming back to their city. But here's the deal. They're bringing it in. And there's this whole huge procession of people. I mean, I can't imagine how long it probably is. I mean, you're talking about ushering in the ark. There's probably crazy music going on, like all the crazy Macy's Day Parade-like type stuff. Rows and rows of drummers and trumpets and band players and, you know, people with crazy stuff, confetti pie back then. Who knows? They probably were throwing stuff in the air. They had, it was just probably this huge demonstration, right? Everyone's out. Probably no one's working. Everything's shut down because they're there to be part of it. And David the king is in front of the procession, and it says this, David wearing a linen ephod, which is just like a tunic, danced before the Lord with all his might, while the, he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. This is their, they're just going to town, and it says, David, who's the king, is out in front just dancing like a crazy fool, like a maniac out front of this. And it goes on to say that then basically um, there's this Micah, Michal, who is the daughter of Saul, sees him and she hates him for it. He says, I saw the king David leaping and dancing before the Lord and she despised him in her heart. This is exactly what I'm talking about is that people are scared and they're, they're worried to be embarrassed What's more important? What's more important? Looking cool or giving God the worth that he rightfully deserves? What's more important? Having someone of the opposite sex think you're a tough guy because you won't raise your hands in worship? Or giving God the respect that he deserves? What's more important? You being comfortable or going outside of your comfort zone to move and to show God what he's worth? You need to step out of your box, even if it's embarrassing. Um, I've done this before, and I'll do it again, because I think it's good. How many of you here would be embarrassed and make fun of somebody who worshipped God more passionately than you? Raise your hand. All right, how many people honestly can say, I'll raise my hand, that I don't care if the person next to me looks stupid. As long as, they're, as long as they're praising God, I'm not offended by that. That's cool. Do whatever you want. Raise your hands if that's more your feeling. You see what I mean? I don't care if the person next to me is jumping up and down like a fool, if they're yelling way too loud, if they're on their knees, or if they're jumping up and down and dancing. If their heart's on God, man, I don't care. And what the whole entire poll here in this room just showed is that you guys don't care either. If they're showing God respect, you know, that's cool with me. So the thing is, is all the people around you say, I don't care if you look stupid or not. I'm not going to make fun of you for that. 
So you're in a great environment. You don't have to worry. There's plenty of places that people will make fun of you. But will you actually take that step then? Will you get past yourself? If no one else is here to make fun of you, will you go past where you think you'd be embarrassed of yourself? Will you do it? Will you give God worship harder, longer, deeper than you ever have before? Try new things in worship that maybe you were even scared of doing, you were uncomfortable with. Would you try them and go out of your box to see if that can make your worship more meaningful to God? Um, It's supposed to be about just unabashed. As the story continues, David finally ends up coming back and he talks to this Michael. And um, it says, When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would do. Now, it didn't, that's, don't think that he got naked. What it's saying is that, let me tell you, a king probably wore really nice clothes, and basically David put on his grubbies. He just went down to, like, his underwear back then, which is like, you know, like a long tunic, nothing special. And he danced before the Lord. And she said, you look like a fool. You're a moron out there dancing. People laugh at you, and they thought you were stupid. And David says this, and I love it, because this is what worship is supposed to be. He says, it was before the Lord who chose me, rather than your father or anyone from his house, when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated even in my own eyes. But by those slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. He goes back and he says, you know what? He says, was that embarrassing? He says, I'm going to embarrass you even more then. He says, I'm going to keep on going until I embarrass myself, where I look at myself and think, what a fool, because I give myself that hard in worship, that I love God that much. He says, I was chosen, not your dad. He says, God put me here for a purpose because I love the Lord. And he says, I'll do it, and I'll do it as hard and as crazy as I want to because I love the, I love the Lord my God. Would you even go that far that says that you're going to praise God and show him worship even to the point where you say, I'm humiliated in my own eyes by my actions? Now that's an awesome form of worship where all that stuff inside of you that society's been telling you isn't cool, isn't tough, kind of melts away and you just let yourself worship. I got one last thing for you before we move on because we're going to do something with this. Worship can be an extremely emotional time. An extremely emotional time. But believe it or not, worship is not about your emotions. Worship can be a time where you feel stuff that you have never felt before, but that's not what it's about. It's not about you feeling good. It's not about you feeling like you really got something. That's cool if it happens because God says he'll do that. But once again, it's about God. And what that means is whether you come in here and you are amped, ready to give God every bit of your worship, or whether you come in here and you are tired, sad, mad, angry, and really don't even feel like being here, God deserves the worship just the same. I don't care if, you know, you just woke up but you're ready for the day, or if you just worked a 24-hour day when you come in, God deserves every bit of your unabashed worship. He's that cool. He's worth that much. And he will give you those things back. That's what's crazy, is it is about that, about giving God worship, and yet still God says that he promises to give you stuff back because that's what our God is. Get that God focus because he deserves it. 
So what we're going to do is, is I'm not really one on doing a whole bunch of prognosis and not starting a diagnosis. I like fixing problems. That's why I'm a mechanic. I see a problem, and I want to fix it, and I want to do something with it. So we're not going to talk about worship tonight. We're going to worship tonight. That's why I got some people here tonight to really help. We're going to do worship in a different way. Sudfast hasn't got to do a lot of crazy worship. But we're going to go into a time of worship right now. And it's going to last for a while. It's not going to be two songs. It's going to be a few songs. And it's going to continue to flow. And here's what I want you guys to do. Is all those things in worship that you look at and you're too afraid to do, would you move past your comfort zone? Would you raise your hands if you never have? Would you bow down on your knees and show God that respect? Would you maybe dance a little bit too to show God that I am free in your spirit? Would you sing louder and harder than you ever have before? Not afraid of the person next to you or realize you're tone deaf because it's for God? I want you guys to do that tonight. As we go into a time of worship, I want you just to worship in a way that is unabashed. Just like David said, he says, when I finish, I feel like I must be a fool. But that was an awesome time of worship. And like I said before, I don't care where you guys go. If you want to spread out in the room, I'll tell you, sometimes I don't feel comfortable standing side to side next to someone in a row. Go move somewhere else in the room. Stand up here. Stand back there. Get wherever you are comfortable and you can focus on God, not on the people around you. And begin to worship. So we're going to do just that. I'm going to pray with you. I want the people who are going to come up and play to come on up. And um, we're going to just go into a time of worship. And I want you guys just to not hold stuff back. This isn't scary. It's not frightening. This is just a time with, with God, trying to, to demonstrate how awesome he is. I mean, if, if like literally you say, I don't even know what to say to God, you begin to sing and pour yourself into the words that are on the screen and see what God will do for you through that. Because I said God will give you, I mean, he'll give you stuff because of worship. So we're going to start. And like I said, you guys can do whatever you want. Whatever makes you feel comfortable, go for it. Do it. Okay? I'm going to pray with you guys, and then we're going to begin. Jesus, I thank you for tonight, and I pray to you, God, that as we move into this time of worship, you will begin to work on our hearts. It says that your Holy Spirit comes strong when we worship. So I pray to you, God, for that exact same thing. I pray to you, God, that you would send your Holy Spirit in a strong way, that it would come in and begin to change our hearts from the inside out, that they would begin to melt, and they would begin to focus on you. I pray to you, God, that tonight we wouldn't be afraid, we wouldn't be ashamed, Lord. We would just be able to go right into a time of worship and just stay there, clearing our minds of all the other junk that has to be done in our lives and focusing solely on you. So I pray to you, God, that you would bless this time. And at the end of it, I pray to you, God, that we'd feel even closer to you. It's in your precious name that I pray, Jesus. Amen.